Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. and then I'll be going to the Gospel of John. Matthew 26 and verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. And he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him, unto them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him, they that stood by and said to Peter, surely thou also art one of them for thy speech Thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Let's look at John chapter 21, John chapter 21, and I'll begin there with verse 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they said unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, That disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish lay thereon, and bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have caught, are now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, and a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of his disciples durst ask, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? 
Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and a fish likewise. This now, the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Lord, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. I want the Holy Ghost to help us today. I have preached on occasion from these verses of scripture but I felt it's strong to revisit them here today and I feel the power of the spirit here to draw somebody and to help someone in this place God wants to save souls God wants to fill somebody that does not have the Holy Ghost with the Holy Ghost here this morning if you desire the Holy Ghost if you desire renewing in the Holy Ghost today's your day I said today is your day I believe God can do that. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about it being a promise. A promise. Amen. We need to receive it as such. We need to receive it as a gift that has already been purchased. We know that it was purchased at Calvary's cross through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a gift that you can't buy. No amount of money can buy it. No amount of anything that you could do could buy it. The only thing that the Lord asks is that we repent of our sins and come to an altar and open up ourselves and yield ourselves to Him and He will generously fill us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You believe that today? Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray for the anointing of the Spirit to flow in this place. Jesus, we hunger for You and desire You. We pray, God, for You to move in this house. Pray for your spirit to bless each and every person that is in this place. Those that need the Holy Ghost, I pray that they would hungrily reach out after you and open up their hearts and receive the gift of your spirit. I pray, God, those that need a renewing could receive a renewing of the Holy Ghost today. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, let's give praise to the Lord together right now. How about let's really praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I love you so much. I thank you so much. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Around the 20th century, a Russian psychologist and physician named Ivan Pavlov uh, performed a groundbreaking experiment that eventually earned him a Nobel Prize. 
It is a natural reaction and response for dogs to salivate at the sight or the smell of food. But Dr. Pavlov wanted to know if this reaction could be simulated through any other means. And so he began to experiment. And he conditioned the dogs each time that he would feed them with the ringing of a bell. While he was bringing their food, he would ring this bell. And eventually, just at the ringing of the bell, without the sight or the smell of food, these dogs would just begin to salivate. And Pavlo referred to this as a conditional reflex, otherwise known as classic conditioning. And he said this could be used in in other things, in psychology. But uh, the fact is, is that all of us have conditional reflexes. Maybe your mind as mine begins to think about people that have been involved in foreign wars. And because of some of their experiences there, some of the things that, uh, that they have witnessed, the horrors that they have been involved in, uh, certain sounds, certain things that sound like the sounds or the sights maybe of uh, war and what they were involved with, reminds them and immediately takes them back. Uh, takes them back in their mind to that very place and uh, that experience. And they have to deal with this. Maybe it wakes them up in the middle of the night with a dream. Maybe there's uh, a loud boom because of some kind of construction that is going on and it causes them to react or to respond. And I have talked to men and heard the stories of men that have experienced this, and I'm sure you have too. My own personal experience, when I was uh, beginning to evangelize, we were very young and didn't know a lot about pulling trailers and, and uh, had bought a fifth wheel and was going to transport it across the country from the Midwest over uh, to the West Coast. And I stopped off alongside the road. Thankfully, I was by myself and uh, got in the back in that trailer and fell asleep. And during the night, I didn't realize it, but there was a butane leak in the trailer. And I was awakened by an explosion and the fire that consumed that is hard for me to describe what I saw. And uh, this experience, I nearly uh, was able to escape with my life. But I can remember years down the road. And just even recently, I was... Uh, I needed to use a space heater where I was staying. And it was one of those old-fashioned kind that when the thermostat kicked on, it would brighten the room. And uh, it just reminded me. It was too too much, uh, a little too close for comfort, if you will. It reminded me of that incident that now happened uh, uh, over 25 years ago. And so... Uh, these kinds of things, conditional reflexes, can happen. And over the course of a lifetime, we can acquire an elaborate retropore of conditional reflexes. Certain things that we've experienced, certain things that we've been through, certain things that we've faced. And when we see something similar or feel something similar or hear something similar, it takes us back. And uh, we also know that this is true spiritually. 
When we sin, thank God that there is a conditional reflex called conviction that leads us to repentance. That God begins to deal with us and God begins to convict us. And this is not something for us to be alarmed by. This is not something for us to not desire or want. Matter of fact, it's your best friend. It may make you uncomfortable. It may at times cause you to to feel uh, pricked in your heart and stirred deep in your spirit. But can I tell you that it's very, very important that we acknowledge the need of conviction in our lives. That's God's way of speaking to us. That's God's way of dealing with us. That's God's way of penetrating beneath the superficial and the surface. Amen. And getting down to the nitty gritty, if you will. Getting down to where we live and stirring our hearts and drawing us to Him. And with the proper response, when we are convicted, there's one thing that we need to do. And there's one response that the Lord is looking for. And that is for us to repent of that that we're being convicted of. We don't need to detest it. We don't need to shun it. We don't need to shy away from it. But we need to embrace it as God is trying to speak to me. God is trying to help me. God is trying to save my soul. This is not to torment me. This is not just to make me feel uncomfortable. But it's to help me to correct my course so that I can be saved. Do you understand that he went to Calvary? That he shed his life's blood so that you could have an opportunity to be saved? And he's not willing that any, that any should perish, but that all, the Bible said, would come to repentance. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord and give him praise right now. And it's my opinion that we need more, not less, conviction today. Amen. We need more godly sorrow that works repentance in the lives of people. It feels to me in this world that people have become more and more unashamed of sin. More adjusted, if you will, uh, with the attitude that I have gotten by so long. And I've done what I've wanted so long that there is no repercussions. But I want to tell you whether or not you experience repercussions in this life. There is repercussions for sin. Amen. But this is there is repercussions and punishment for sin eternally. Can I tell you that there is the gift of God that gives eternal life, the Bible says. Amen. I'm so thankful that I can tell somebody today that you don't just get to escape the punishment of sin, but if you repent of your sins, are baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins, and you filled, or you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you not only escape sin, but you get, I said you get the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is peace and joy like you've never experienced in all 
out of your life. You know why people are bouncing up and down like popcorn here today? It's not because uh, that we've just got some kind of goosebump machine going on in here. It's not just because uh, we've got good singing and good musicians and all of that. But the reason why people are reacting and responding the way they are today is because they got a real redemptive experience in their heart. And when you feel this redemptive lift that I'm talking about, it'll make you want to shout. It'll make you want to rejoice. It'll make you want to clap. It'll make you in some cases want to leap for joy. Oh, but there'll be a response given unto the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Is anybody in this room ever experienced the power of the Holy Ghost? Any tongue talkers in the building here this morning? Anybody know what it is to have joy unspeakable and full of glory? Hallelujah, hallelujah. We need more conviction preaching. Amen. We don't need just a pat on the back every time we come to church. And I'm thankful that we get that. And we don't just need, we don't need just to be lifted up, amen, every time we come to the house of God when we're not doing what we know we need to do. But we need the Word of God to probe deep. We need the Spirit of the Lord to be able to penetrate down into our heart and, and, and pinpoint that area of our life that we need to correct and that we need to change That's conviction preaching, and there is such a need for it. It seems a dearth of it in our world today. Amen. I'm thankful for anointed preaching. I'm here today. The Bible said we're saved by the foolishness of preaching. I'm thankful for preachers that are still unashamed to stand up and preach the Word of God. Not, not preach uh, what they read on the internet. Not, not just preach uh, what the latest news is. Uh, not just preach some fantastic story that'll, that'll charge us up emotionally. But God help us uh, to have preaching that is anointed. Help us to have preaching uh, that can detect where we're at. Uh, amen. The word of God can find us. The Bible said it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's able to divide uh, between the joint and the marrow. Amen very precise, very cutting down to where we need it to be. I'm going to tell you, if you're open, the Word of God will find you today. It'll help you today. It'll speak to your need today. It'll touch you where you need to be touched. Amen. It'll move you where you need to be moved. It'll inspire you where you need to be inspired. It'll motivate you where you need to be motivated. If you just open up your ears, ears to hear the Word of God. Amen. Let's clap our hands and give him praise this morning. But can I tell you, there's quite a contrast between conviction that comes from God and condemnation. Oh yeah, you know about that condemnation. Condemnation is the choice weapon that the devil uses on a child of God that has fallen, amen, and made a mistake. And he comes with condemnation to bludgeon them and to tell them that they can never get back up again. Matter of fact, before we've ever started here this morning, he began his work, I believe, out on the parking lot as people were coming in today. There's no hope for you here. There's no help. There's no way to be restored. There's no way to get out of the pit that you're in. You're, 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 you're trying 
but, but you're, you're going to fail and this is going to leave you feeling even more empty. There's quite a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction offers hope. Conviction leads to a life change through repentance. Conviction leads ultimately to God's forgiveness in your life. But condemnation leads to hopelessness and despair and guilt and shame and despair if it's not dealt with. It goes deeper and deeper and it takes you into a darker and darker place. Depression, if it's not dealt with, amen, it takes you deeper and into a darker place. But I'm thankful that we serve a God of light. And I'm feeling like here today that God's going to turn the lights on for somebody in this room and let you know that there is hope. That you don't have to live in that despair. You don't have to live in that downward state. You don't have to live with that state of mind that you've been in. You're not, you're not one that has to be condemned, but you can be a child of God. Amen. And know and understand that He can change me through His help, through His mercy, through the power of His Spirit. I can't be a different person today. When you examine the story of Simon Peter through the filter of Ivan Pavlo's experience or experiment, it's very interesting to me. At the Last Supper, Jesus was gathered with his disciples, and suddenly, Out of nowhere it would seem, but very calculated. He said, all of you will be offended because of me this night. You understand, he's trying to prepare them for something that is coming. That he knows that none of them is going to completely understand, even though he's talked about it. You know, it's one thing to hear about something. It's another thing to experience something, isn't it? It's one thing to pat somebody on the back and say, I can only imagine how you feel, but it's another thing to have to walk through it yourself and go through it yourself. And he's trying to prepare them. All of you are not going to understand. You're going to be offended in me this night. It's, it's coming. It's right around the corner. And this announcement startles them. And they all begin to look around and, 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 and maybe even ask some questions of themselves. And finally, you know, that impetuous one, Simon Peter, that one that is always... Speaking sometimes even before he thinks, he said, Though all men shall be offended in thee because of thee. He said, I will never. Maybe he gets a little proud look on his face. I'll never be offended in thee. Matter of fact, I detest the very remark that it's even possible Because as you know, I've given up everything to follow you. And you think if I haven't become offended already by some of the things that has happened, that I would not. I mean, after all, I'm the one that you rebuked. You pointed your finger at and said, get thee behind me, Satan. And uh, I'm the one that you you will look at at some point and question whether or not or how much that I really love thee. And I know that there's been things and hard sayings. When, over there in John chapter 6, when, when everybody was walking away from me, I was the one that stood up and said, 
when you said, well, you also go away. I, I told you there was nowhere for us to go. I, I'm not going to become offended in you. However, within the same chapter, within the same, I'm going to tell you, you get out of the presence of the Lord. You get away from, from this experience of the Holy Ghost. You don't know what you're capable of. Amen. And in just a little while later, he's standing there trying to digest and rocking and reeling with everything that has happened. And, and they've taken the Lord away. And a damsel comes up and says, I remember you. You, you were with Jesus. And he said, no, I, I never knew him. And, and then another one comes up and, and says, I, I remember this fella. He, he was with him. And with an oath, he denied him. And then, sometime later, the Bible tells us that there was a group that was standing by, and they said, surely you were one of them. Your speech, there's something about the way you talk. It's, it's similar to him. And the Bible says that he cursed and said, I never knew him. And the Scripture uses this word. It says, immediately... Immediately, immediately the cock crew and Peter remembered the word of Jesus. Immediately. It all happened so quick. He found himself in this position so quick. He was at a pinnacle in the very presence of the Lord. And his experience, I would say, at a pinnacle, having this very intimate meal when the Lord is showing things to them and revealing things to them and even washes their feet till now, the Scripture tells us that he's at an all-time low and he feels that he has made some choices and decisions that maybe he can never fully overcome. One gospel writer says that when this happened, that Jesus looked at him. Can you imagine imagine the piercing stare of the Lord when he made this last denial and the cock crew and the Lord turns and looks at him? Can you imagine how that that must have felt like a stare that went right through him? And he remembers the words of the Lord. Have you ever wondered from that moment that every time that Peter would wake up in the morning, and as you you know, most of us live in cities and suburbs and places. Some of you will be able to identify with this. But the majority of us don't have chickens running around the place much less a rooster that crows at first light. And can you imagine, because he's living in this countryside, because he's living in this area where there's chickens and livestock everywhere just mealing around, and and that morning after this situation, each morning that occurs, he hears the rooster crow and immediately, it takes him back to that 
particular moment when he denied the only one that was able to save him and help him. The one that he loved the most. The one he failed the one that he cared about the most. And the one he, he most did not want to fail is the one that he failed. And, and he's left to contemplate all of this. And he's left to grapple with all of this. And, and he wishes he could get away from it. But every time that rooster crows, he hears it all over again and reminds him. And they, you know, roosters, they, they don't have a snooze button. They don't care whether or not you're in the midst of your deep REM cycle of your sleep. When they get ready to do that, they're going to let it out. And they're just as proud as they can be. And they want everybody within earshot to hear them. I remember we got this bright idea. I think there was a sale for chicken coop over at Sam's or somewhere. And we was going to bring it home. And I thought, you know, maybe if we get some hens, um, they don't do that. And, and uh, they won't be, and my neighbors won't even know we got any chickens. But I have met some crowing hens in my day, and so I'm just, I'm just kidding. But anyway, go ahead, clap right there. How can I recover? And so, I asked around. I didn't know anything. I'm, I didn't have any knowledge about this. I just wanted some eggs, you know. And I found that, you know, it's probably not going to be a good idea right there where you live to have that. And uh, somebody's going to discover your chickens. And, and so, we decided against it. We thought it was, we thought better of it, if you will. And so... Every time this rooster would crow, or a rooster would crow in the morning, he, he would be reminded of that. You know, in Scripture, the Bible talks about Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. We know in the book of Genesis, he was subtle like a serpent, in the form of a serpent. We, we understand that there's other animals that were used and a reminder to the people. What about Balaam's donkey and other things? But can I tell you that the devil, a lot of times, is just like that painful reminder to Simon Peter. Just when you feel like you're overcoming it, just like you feel like you've gotten past it, just when you think that I'm beyond it, here it comes again as a painful reminder. Satan, the Bible says, is an accuser of the brethren. He wants to remind you of your mistakes. Just when you feel like stepping out and attempting to worship God with all of your might, he reminds you of some wrong. He wants to remind you of every failure. Just when you feel like you want to exercise or inspire to exercise a little faith in a situation and and, and God has moved upon you in a church service. You want to exercise faith. He whispers in your ear and reminds you of some failure in your life. Just when you desire to be used of God, He brings up sh some shortcoming, 
some something in your life that he says is going to disqualify you and you'll never be worthy. Well, I can, I can settle that score right now and just tell you that in our flesh there is no good thing, Paul said. And we'll never be worthy in the flesh. Somewhere we got to put faith in the forgiveness of God. we got to put faith in the blood of Jesus Christ and its ability to cleanse and to wash and to make whole. And we, we do an awful job, a miserable job of trying to cover up and to hide our sins. Devil, he always wants to bring them up and remind us of it. Why? Because why does he focus on our past failures? Because he wants us to forfeit our future. He doesn't want us to have any future in God. But we do a miserable job. I was thinking today at the times when I would try to, when I'd made a, a mistake in my boyhood and I knew what the repercussions were going to be. And I knew that if this was found out, so I would try to cover it up. But I had pretty wise parents and they were able to discover these types of things pretty quickly. And I was so thankful that they were able to realize that I was in a state of maturing and that they loved me as their son more than they loved whatever it was that I maybe tore up or damaged. And they cared for me. I remember one time a uh, sales lady had come up to our house and, and uh, she had a big, long LTD green. Uh, this is the 70s, folks. And... Uh, that thing was longer than a bad dream. Almost as long as that back pew right over there. And, and, and same color. And she was parked right in the middle of the driveway. And my dad had a, uh, we had an old Ford Courier truck. And it was, it was uh, just a work truck. We'd use it to haul things around the place. And, and uh I had it loaded down, and we didn't get in it a lot uh, just when we was working, and some spiders had gotten in it and, and created a web. And, you know, I'd rather take on a snake or a rabid dog than a spider because, you know, I've heard stories about brown recluse and black widows and all this kind of stuff, and, and every one of them I see, I think it's a black widow. And I know that 90% of them probably can't, probably can't hurt you at all. But anyway, I, I noticed this spider as I'm coming down, the, the, down to where the driveway is. And I'm driving, and I'm just a young boy. And, and not even, you know, I just drive it around the place. Don't drive it out on the road because I don't have my driver's license yet. And I'm driving, and all of a sudden that spider, I noticed it, and I'm fighting around with it and got distracted. And I started at one end of that car. Yeah, all the way down it. And I put, in this, in this Ford Courier was the ugliest color of school bus yellow you ever seen. And it put a pinstripe right down that green car. And when I came in, I must have had guilt on my face. I knew there was no hiding it. 
And she said, she called me by name, the sales lady. She, we'd known her for a long time. And she said, did you hit my car? Yes, ma'am, I hit your car. And, you know, it, it, it may have scuffed up the truck, but I wasn't near, and, and nobody was worried about the truck as much as they were worried about the lady's car. But I remember thinking when I jumped out of the truck, I wonder how, you know how your mind begins to turn. I wonder how you go over there and try to rub on it and try to get the yellow paint off and realizing there is no way to cover this up. This is not a scratch. This is, this is deep dent. This is something that's, I mean, we're talking about we left a mark. And, and this is going to have to require the, the use of a body man and, and all of this, and, and, and what, how is this going to affect insurance? And I don't even have a driver's license. All these things are going through my mind. We do a miserable job of trying to cover things up. And I don't know how much he tried to push it away. Simon Peter tried to put it on the back burner, but it was something that he could not escape. Bible tells about people such as this, that, that Cain, when the Lord spoke to him and said, Where is thy brother Abel? He said, Am I my brother's keeper? He knew that he had tried to put a pile of rocks over him and bury him. But he said, His blood cries to me from the ground. What about Saul when he had disobeyed the command of the Lord and the prophet came? And he said, have you done all that the Lord commanded? Have you killed all the Amalekites and their animals and all? Have you slayed everything that's got a heartbeat? And he said, oh yeah, we, we, we did it. We, we did it just like you asked us to do it, preacher. Finally, Samuel said, but what's, what's this bleeding of sheep that I hear in my ears? You're trying to cover it up. You just can't cover it up. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't need to be covered up. It needs to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So days after his denial of Jesus and the death of the Lord on the cross, suddenly in the midst of all of this that's going on, I mean, there's been a lot that has happened over the last seven. His mind is whirling, and he just announces on a whim. He says, I, I go a fishing. And it's amazing to me that the Bible says, and the disciples says, we'll go with you. You just think that my choices and my decisions and the things that I do, it doesn't affect nobody else. It doesn't have any kind of, uh, there's no responsibility that I have to anybody else. It's just me that we're talking about. I'm making my own choices. I'm making my own decisions. I'm going to tell you that's not the truth, and that is the furthest thing from the truth. The person that feels the most uh, uh, un influential if you will uh, of anyone in this room you still have influence on somebody somebody is watching you and your decisions and your choices and how you live your life and so they all gather together and they go efficient and I suppose that the reason and there's a lot of things conjecture here we could we could say the reason why he went fishing, but part of me wonders if, if after denying the Lord, 
of Simon Peter uh, that in his thinking and his state of mind that maybe he thought my career as being a disciple or really being used of the Lord. I know that the Lord told me some things that he was going to do, but surely I forfeited all of that with my denial of the Lord. And so I, I better go sharpen up on my skills of what I was doing before this all happened. I failed one too many times. And the conditional reflex was to revert back to his old ways. And so they all began their fishing excursion, but it didn't nearly go as good as they thought it was going to go because after they tried all the old places and all the old tricks and bait and whatever it is that they would do, the Bible says they caught nothing. I want to just tell you, if you think you're going to go back to the world and you're going to find it pleasant and accepting and you're going to find it grand, and it's all going to work out great, and I can go back, and I can slip back into my old lifestyle, and I'll be happy again. I'm going to tell you, you might be happy for a few days, but you're not going to be happy for long. Because as I heard one preacher say one time, he said, you can go from anything, or you can come from anything to this, but you can't go from this to anything else. Because once you've ever experienced the power of the Holy Ghost, there's nothing as satisfying. There's nothing as good. There's no joy that can ever, ever, ever compare. There's no peace that can ever compare. I'm thankful for the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. Would you stand with me right now? Let's be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now. But the interesting thing about this story is that Jesus knew and that Jesus came to him. The Bible says that when they looked up on the shoreline there, Jesus was standing there and he said children have you any meat he knew how the fishing trip had gone and suddenly someone said hey I think that's Jesus that looks like the Lord Simon Peter all of the brokenness of the last several days he wrapped his outer cloak around him Bible says that he jumped into the water. He couldn't even wait until they brought the ship to the shore. He jumped out and began to swim, began to make his way to where Jesus was. And as they were gathered there, he he had already, the Bible tells, tells me that he'd already prepared a fire. And although he had told them where to cast their net that they may catch fish. The Bible said he already had fish on that fire cooking and prepared for them. While they're there gathered together the the Lord asks Simon he said Simon son of Jonas lovest thou me? He said, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. In that same penetrating stare, he looks at him again and says, Simon, let me ask you again, lovest thou me? 
He said, well, Lord, yes. Thou knowest that I love you. And a third time. I don't think that's coincidence, folks. The Bible tells me that Simon had denied him three times. What is it that's happening here? I'm telling you what's happening. The Bible says that he came to them in the morning. That's when the rooster crows. And he asked of him three times. He said, what I'm going to do right here is I'm going to I'm going to push reverse and I'm going to let you go back and we're going to fix some things that you thought could never be fixed in your life. Amen. I know you denied me three times, but I want three emphatic statements from you. I know what's in your heart, but I want you to express it and I want you to let it out because I want you to be convinced of it and I want you to be able to face the enemy with it. No more condemnation, Simon Peter. Do you love me? And he said a third time, Thou knowest all things Lord you know that I love you he said that's what I wanted to hear because I want you to know and I want you to understand that this failure in your life is not final because in just a few days you're going to preach the inaugural message on the day of Pentecost for the church just a few days I'm going to anoint you and use you to preach a message that they're going to be preaching 2,000 years after you're gone. It's still going to be changing lives. And there's somebody that's going to read your story. There's somebody that feels like there's no hope. There's no way. There's nothing I can do. That that I've failed too many times. I've made too many mistakes. I've come up empty. And now I want them to understand through reading your story that you can find your way back. That you can find it, man, that through uh, through opening up your heart and yielding yourself to the Lord that He is able to forgive, cleanse, and wash, and make whole. Does anybody in this room need to be delivered from some haunting memories? Does anybody think, if I can only get past that, if I can only overcome that, can I tell you there is a way today. There is a way that God wants to move upon people. I feel like this message this morning is very specific. I feel like it's like a guided missile. Amen. That is headed in somebody's direction that God is trying to offer hope to. That God is trying to, to move upon your heart. He's trying to help you. He's trying to break through to you. He's trying to show you that He wants He wants to restore. He wants to forgive. He wants to cleanse. He wants to make a way. I wonder if there's somebody that would have the faith right now to believe in what God is speaking to your heart and step out in that aisle and say, Preacher, I don't want you to have to beg me to come to an altar, but I accept the fact that God is speaking to me. I accept the fact this morning that God is trying to get a hold of me, that God is trying to move upon my heart, and God is trying to touch me.